Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my boy, my friend, my co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. How you doing, Corey? I'm doing uh, all right. You know, there's a hole in our hearts, I think we can all say, <laughs> as we're watching non-Cavalier basketball for the first time in months. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what are we, a week removed from the, the last playing game? It was, uh, yeah, a depressing time. I pretend Very that depressing. it hasn't happened. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's all you can do. <laughs> so, like anyone else watching random college film, <laughs> it's just me. I mean, there's there's a lot of talk going around about what's his name, Ochai uh, Akbaji. Yep. Yes, I, 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 I'm exactly. in that camp. I, I'm watching a lot of film on him. You know, it's like we went from being like I haven't watched any uh, college film <laughs> probably all year, and then I just remember I'm like, I look at Ochai Akbaji, and I'm like, oh, you know. He was really good for Kansas in the tournament. I think he had a really good Final Four game that also that like stood out to me. And I was like, then I see like his draft profile. I am not saying I am a uh, draft expert, so <laughs> at all. But I, the minute I saw three and D as the label for him, I was like, huh. you know, there's two things the Cavs need: it's defensive wings that can shoot threes at Dylan Windler. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna talk about it. I'm not even gonna use this opportunity to shit on him. I'm not gonna do it. Uh, but I will. No, you say did that last episode. <laughs> exactly. I got all that out. I feel much better now. I feel great. Um, you know, just looking ahead at the future of this team. There's so many bright spots. There's so many things we can look ahead to in regards to getting guys healthy, getting guys resigned. Um, but Ochai, yeah, I just. I like what I've seen from this guy in regards to what he could potentially add to the Cavs next season as a, as a wing. We, we know we definitely need that. Um, it remains to be seen whether or not that pick will remain with the Cavs. I think they technically have to make the pick, but they could trade it right after that. I have no idea. Um, don't quote me on that. Uh, I'm not an expert in regards to the draft or, or trades. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I would definitely enjoy what he could bring to the table. Same with Malachi Branham. Um, guy like that, just being an Ohio State fan. And yeah, I was going to say, uh, what, what made you pick him specifically? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Liddell also is on my board. <laughs> yep. If he happens to fall. Exactly. Uh, with that said, the purpose of today's episode is to go ahead and present some of these It's Cavalier fan awards. That's right, as voted by you guys. So me and Corey will do our best to deliberate whether or not we believe y'all right or you're wrong. <laughs> Chances are you're wrong. uh with that said we can go ahead and jump right into it let's see here first award on the docket most impactful acquisition Corey, as you can see here 60 percent of the 440 votes went to ricky rubio do you agree with this uh i mean i i think i said to this to mac pre uh us getting on but I had a feeling that Ricky Rubio was going to be the most voted, the most impactful acquisition when I uh, created this list. And I disagree that it's Ricky Rubio because I think there's a lot of emotion attached to the good vibes that Ricky Rubio brought. And yes, he did add a lot for mm-hmm. the guards to and the whole team really to have a second dominant ball handler that we just haven't seen on this team in years, pretty much. And I honestly felt like it was Lowry that was the most impactful acquisition. Now I know you're going to probably all just sit on your soap boxes and just tell me how I'm an idiot and <laughs> you're right. But at the same time, I think what Lowry did is he unlocked tall ball 
for this Cavs team and just him having allowing JB to just be the mad scientist in the lab and move him to have the Cavs kind of go against the grain. That alone made him the most impactful acquisition, not even because he certainly thrived in that role from a stat perspective, but because he allowed for this team to kind of evolve into the team we saw throughout a majority of the year. I completely agree. Uh, I know we talked about this a little bit off air before we hopped on here, uh, but the the significance of Larry Markin cannot be understated. I mean, he completely unlocked the three big lineup because of his specific skill set. I mean, when you talk about the lack and you know the the lack and the deficiencies in regards to shooting from the two guard spot specifically, Lowry cleaned up for a lot of that. Also, with uh, with Jared Allen kind of lacking a perimeter presence. Uh, we know Evan Mobley can, but he's not quite there yet. And so with Lowry uh, on the offensive end, that allowed them to do a lot of things that many teams just don't have the capability to do. And that's due to the unique skill sets um, that he brings to the table. And when you talk about the defensive end, I mean, we know Lowry is not quick. We know he's going to get beat by his man a lot of the time, but his length makes up for that. And it presents a very unique challenge to teams. Uh, whether or not teams have figured it out after this one season and getting a lot of film, uh, that role will remain to be seen. Or if Lowry will head into next season as the starter at the three. Uh, but uh, to me, I, I have to disagree with the Ricky Rubio vote here, although he was very impactful. Um, I just I, I feel like Lowry's addition to the team was far and away the most important and most impactful. That's just me. Yeah, no, I was going to say there's not many. What Lowry really allowed is for the Cavs to have length at all three levels defensively, both perimeter, mid-range, and paint, because Lowry was pretty much the perimeter. Well, it was really Lowry and Mobley were kind of the perimeter defensive presences for length, but Mobley kind of also just hung around the middle, kind of like as we've been saying, that free safety, just roaming around the box kind of. Mm-hmm. But and then J- it's easy to defend at all three levels when you have seven footers at all three levels. Like you get past one, you then have to step up to the next level, pretty much like kind of like a video game. Each level gets progressively harder the further you go. <laughs> and Jared Allen's the final boss of the Cavs defense. And exactly. that was someone that no one wanted to really match up with, especially when the team was relatively healthy. Um, so, yeah, we I think we're both in greens here. Lowry marketing. Um, you know, shout out to Ricky Rubio. In the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get nothing. <laughs> get a hot plate, nothing. It's steaming. Also, for those who are watching us on YouTube, um, I did not have Karis Levert originally in this poll, but Mac <laughs> oh, decided thanks. to do thanks, it. Corey. <laughs> Don't go to the bus. <laughs> I I just had I I it's no slight against Karis, but can we really say how impactful he was when it was like probably the least available acquisition that we had? Even nineteen games. Okay, he played nineteen games in wine and gold this year. That's <laughs> crazy. Because if you honestly ask me without looking, it felt like he played ten. That's fair. I mean, you have to look at it this way, too. I feel like a lot of those was a filling out process for him. He only started 10 of those, too. And I feel like he really started to actually round out once he actually got the starting role. But again, not a big enough sample size to really feel like like an impactful acquisition the way that Rubio and Markin might be considered. So I guess to continue discussion off this question, we also had Rondo on here. Mac, in your opinion, 
<laughs> we're gonna give Ricky Rubio like we'll give the Ricky Rubio trade like an A. Uh-huh. What would you say Rondo brought in terms of value? Because his value was great, to kind like of replace Ricky great. Rubio. Like if we're saying like a 10, is he completely fulfilled what Ricky Rubio brought to the team? What would you give Rondo on a scale of one to ten? Probably like a six. I mean, yeah. you gotta consider what we paid to get him. Uh, what was it? Denzel Valentine, right? The core <laughs> Denzel Valentine, poor, yes. poor guy. You, you pay no, you know, no disrespect to uh, Denzel, but if you can acquire uh, a playmaker the uh, the caliber of Rondo, even at his advanced stage, you do it. You you take the flyer on it, and that's exactly what the Cavs did because they needed to fill a void. And although that void was very very tough to fill, um, they did the best they could. And with Rondo, I feel like you already knew what you were getting. You were going to get a guy who was still an above-average playmaker, facilitator, um, whatever he could add in regards to uh, points and you know scoring in that regard was going to be gravy. Um, it's nice that he was able to have confidence to pull from deep. And I know we've often talked about we wish we could give some of his irrational confidence to Dylan. Uh, but, yeah, I'd give him a six. What about you? No, I 100% agree. I was going to say a six because like, he was so night-to-night dependent, and you could tell even the coaching staff kind of felt that way because when Rondo felt it, he honestly was like – he had flashbacks of bubble Rondo at times. But yeah. then if – but getting bubble Rondo slash playoff Rondo was like a one out of ten chance. Like in the It was like playing Russian roulette with your backup point guard. You didn't know what you were going to get, and you're just hoping the one bullet in the chamber was there when you pulled. But it felt like you just – he was firing blanks. It felt like a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, there were some, some key moments, some signature games, I guess you could call them. I know he had, he dropped seven, three and nine recently. Um, and that's a perfectly Rondoian stat line. You're not really asking anything more than him. Well, that maybe not be the right thing to say, but you're not expecting him to, yeah. to contribute more than that. Just because it, he's one, he's in a very advanced age. He's probably considering <laughs> retirement. And I would. Know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would too. There were, there had been that rumor floating around about him potentially wanting to become an assistant under Jawan Howard. If that were to ever happen in LA. Stay with JB. <laughs> yeah. We, we could use some <laughs> offensive assistant coaches. Definitely. Especially, you know, as a guard, uh, being able to pick the brain of a guy like that for Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, whoever comes through the gates of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse would be a very, very excellent addition to the uh, coaching staff. It'd be a hilarious subplot for next year, though, that Rondo is technically above LeBron James in terms of authority. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, we're going to move on. I don't, even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless. Next word. Brightest future amongst current bench players. Resounding 74% for Lamar Stevens. Second place, Dean Wade only got 21%. Come on, guys. <laughs> we cannot sell to Dean Wade that we are the premier Dean Wade podcast. If 20, per, like if one fifth of our audience only thinks he has the brightest future. Wow. I would, I didn't think it was going to be like, I honestly did not think it would be this much of a landslide. I figured Lamar Stevens would have won this one, but I didn't think it would be this much of a landslide. Did, is, do you agree with this? First yeah, I, I agree with it. Um, I <laughs> I want to know what the 5% of Dylan Windler people who voted <laughs> thought it was they're getting hypothetical Dylan Windler still. 
And I, if I, if you are, you can please DM me and explain why you picked Dylan Windler in this answer. But I also think this is a kind of a version of like recency bias for Lamar Stevens as well, because Dean Wade obviously was out for like the past month of the season with his injury. And Lamar was kind of heading on his upwards trajectory. I felt like after the all-star break, he kind of was hitting his form. Yeah. So, and Mac just did probably spend like three hours of his day crunching up Lamar Stevens film for the YouTube channel. So if you really want to see your uh, brightest future, check that out on the YouTube channel. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me, and I think I tweeted this out earlier, was the fact that I want to see Isaac Okoro doing so much of what I see Lamar Stevens doing. The off-ball movement, the cutting, it's it's on point with him in in the limited action that he sees. There's just so many. If you guys watch that the, the highlight reel that I created, you'll you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, he, he's not afraid to pull from three. Um, Corey, you've seen that. Um, when he has the opportunity. And and while I do think Lamar is not quite on Isaac's level in terms of potential, um, there are a lot of things that Isaac can look at Lamar's game and kind of take away from. Um, there's just – there's a lot there, frankly. Uh, but Lamar, yeah, I do – I definitely agree in regards to this one. Yeah, when it comes to Lamar versus the Isaac debate, I think the thing to keep in mind is that Lamar was – I believe he left Penn State. Was he a senior – he was when a four-year starter, if I'm not mistaken, or a four-year player at least. Yeah, we always find that those four-year college players, they translate to the NBA pretty well because they've had way more time to develop their game. And Isaac is, I believe, like months. One, one and out, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was like, he's only a few months older than Mobley still. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Isaac, like, I would hope that Lamar is a better player at this point than Isaac because he's that he's older. So 24, he, 25, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we can't just sit here and think that, Oh, well, if Lamar Stevens is already better than Isaac Okoro, then Okoro is just heading for a downward trajectory. It's like, or, you know, spin zone here. <laughs> Isaac hasn't even we do that. Reached, well. He, uh, <laughs> he's so young that I would think that it would be, I'd be feel like it's a pretty safe, safe bet to make that Isaac Okoro at Lamar Stevens current age will be a better player than Lamar Stevens is right now because obviously the potential is so much more immense for Isaac Okoro than it is for Lamar Stevens. Yes, and just to confirm that again, Lamar Stevens is 24. Isaac Okoro is just 21 years old. So he's still got three years on the guy. Um, Three seasons from now, once he reaches his age 24, 25 season, he really could start to you know look to round out into the player that many people thought he would become. Uh, We could even see... You know, semblances of that heading into next season, but it's going to be off. It's going to be on the coaching staff, and it's going to be up to him, frankly, to be able to go out there and look confident in what he's supposed to do and put himself in a good position. Because far too often, I've noticed this guy just kind of standing in the corners. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, I'm uh, not trying to beat him down. Uh, no, I, it's a it's a common complaint with uh, Isaac Okoro. Like that dude can just uh, stand in the corner sometimes and not really seem to it's not that I, I don't think he's engaging i feel like he's processing the play as it happens and i think mm-hmm. it's just gonna become one of those subconscious things where he'll recognize something after seeing it enough times and then react to it because like he'll do it at, he did it at points during the year where even in games specifically where he would kind of cut in back-to-back possessions and you're like mm-hmm. oh the light bulb went off and you think that was like kind of the moment that would carry over but it just seems like he 
would then again get too sucked into whatever he is doing mentally that took him out of games. Yeah, I think some of that is him just trying to get the hell out of Darius Garland and, you know, <laughs> get it the hell out of his way and clear up some of those lanes uh, for Jared Allen um, and Evan Mobley and pick and roll, whatever they have going on. I get it. And there were definitely bright spots in regards to this season. Uh, little do people know, Isaac Okoro actually shot 35% from three-point range this year. Golf clap for you, Isaac. Your award <laughs> is in the mail. <laughs> exactly. And although that's on low volume because he only took 2.3 three-pointers this season, that's still an encouraging sign. Back, um, we don't say that part on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> i got to be transparent. Uh, 35%. That's that's something to look forward to. Maybe we'll we'll crack the uh the thirty five, <laughs> well thirty six, thirty seven percent. Maybe if we're lucky, he'll take three a game. <laughs> I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done. Next award, biggest loss felt, and this was by far the most voted upon um, award that we had. Well, now this is not even an award. This is not an award <laughs> yeah. at all. <laughs> Most unlucky slash painful injury. Your <laughs> award is your medical bill. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So 857 votes. And the player with the most votes here is one of Ricky Rubio. Do you agree with this? Uh, no, actually. Again, Ricky is getting slighted on these awards that he <laughs> technically has won. Uh, I felt like our biggest loss was Jared Allen. And Mac and I discussed this before we hopped on but we both agree that it's jared allen in the sense that we we any Cavs fan who just watched the past month of Cavs basketball without jared allen would know how that loss felt our defense was completely altered our offense was completely altered because jared allen is low-key the concrete cinder block foundation of the cavalier house (laughs) like everyone likes to think that it's darius or that could like or it's evan evan is like the really nice siding on the house that makes you think the house looks a lot nicer than it is. But Jared Allen is the ugly sheet of concrete that holds our house together. That's a hell of a way to describe Jared Allen. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm just coming up with really good stuff right now. I'm in off season mode. Uh, I don't have a lot. I have a ton of free time too much. In fact, so I have all these analogies just stirring in my headspace. but yeah, Jared Allen biggest loss I felt. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally right there with you. I completely agree in that regard. And just just a couple of background details in regards to some of these losses. So right off the bat, we all know it's no secret. Colin Sexton played 10 and a half games, really, with the Cavs this season. And then in that t- period of time, the team went six and four in the game, in the full games. In the half game in which he, uh, you know, unfortunately got injured toward that meniscus, they still won that game. So if you want to call it 11, call it 11, but not really a huge sample size. So that, to me, is kind of a disqualification, although we had to list them. Um, Ricky Rubio, would you want to take a gander, take a guess at how many games Ricky Rubio actually played for the Cavs this season? I would say somewhere around like 36. Dude, you're not far off. Ricky Rubio appeared in 34 games for the Cavs this season. Oh, my God. Wizard. 34. And you know what's even crazier than that is – Rubio actually played in all 34 of the Cavs' first 34 games. Yeah, that was a nice stretch. Good job, Rick. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it appeared that he was fully on the way to a healthy season Um, because I think he had missed somewhere around like 16, 17 games a season, uh, no more than that. 
in his prior seasons. He, he had always been a player that you could kind of dub injury prone or uh, a guy who was never going to be completely healthy, but he stayed relatively healthy um, prior to this season. Uh, that said, you want to take a guess at how, what the Cavs record was in those games? Uh, 34. Um, wasn't it like 20? I'm going to say like 22 and 12. Close. 20 and 14. Cavs were 20 and 14 in those 34 games that Rubio played. Those are the best games of my life. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of people would probably join you in that <laughs> line of thought just because there was literally no drop off when you went to Rubio. If DG left the floor, there was zero drop off. There was almost from a playmaking standpoint and to a certain degree scoring because Rubio <laughs> was was on a tear, although it didn't look nice. <laughs> I was going to say statistically it did drop off, <laughs> but, oh. but watching the game, you wouldn't no. be able to tell from the eye test. You yeah. Cause like the, it was like, it was one of the weirdest anomalies I think in the NBA that no one was talking about is that like you watch the Cavs, you watch with Ricky Rubio on the floor and you're like, dude, this guy is impacting every facet of the floor. And then you look at this box score and you're like, Oh my God, he was like six for 23 <laughs> shooting. What? And the shooting, like the shot, some of the three pointers that he took. Ricky Rubio has like one of the ugliest shots. I was just about to say that dude competes with Delhi for ugliest pull up jumper I've seen from a guard in a while. Love you, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, your award is in the mail. Uh, yeah, but to, to me, the biggest loss here, um, like Corey was saying earlier on, is Jared Allen. Um, just because another takeaway. Now uh, you want to take a guess at the team's record without Jared Allen this season. Oh, uh, I'm going to say like, how many games do we have without Jared Allen? So I can get a, an so idea here. the Cavs went nine and 17 without yeah. Jared Allen this seven, uh, this season. And I remember we only won nine. I don't, I didn't, but you know, it felt like we only won three. If I'm being honest. Yeah. And to take that a step further in that final stretch of the season, because we know Jared missed some games earlier in the season, but in that last stretch of the season, the Cavs, including the game that Allen was injured in and the lone playing game that he was still visibly in pain. We could honestly see it in this 36 minutes that he played. Cavs were eight and 13. You can't tell me, (laughs) you cannot tell me that that was not make or break for the Cavs season. Oh, it 100% was. And it also, we probably would have won both of our play-in games if Jared Allen was playing at 100% either. I know. I'm just saying, (laughs) if we got into it, we still would have won both games because the reason Brooklyn won was because our second-chance opportunities for them were we were the most generous team in the league at second-chance opportunities. It felt like when Jared Allen went away. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree in that regard. And um, let me harken back real quick on the Rubio thing, too, because I forgot to add this. The team, before the Karis LeVert trade, um, after Ricky went down, the team actually went 14-7. and Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that is kind of an indicator that they were able to kind of mask losing Rubio for a time. I know Rondo kind of played a role in that. Um, DG definitely stepped up. After that, after already having to put on a Herculean effort after Colin went down. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, this this just goes to show that Jared Allen was by far the, the most, but the biggest loss that was felt. We are both in agreement. <laughs> All righty. Next on the list, favorite two-way player. This is one of my favorite ones to actually look at because there's – 
it's really a competition between two guys here. <laughs> yeah, I tried to come up with four, and I couldn't even come up with three. You didn't so want to select like, RJ? You didn't want to put RJ on there? No, uh, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> sorry, RJ. Your award will not be in the mail. Shortest Cavalier contract goes to RJ Nemhard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So this is really in the uh, shout out to Taco Fall. Um, definitely a fan favorite here in Cleveland. Really kind of always has been wherever he's been at, whether it be Boston or Cleveland. <laughs> My favorite like. uh, Cleveland charge player. Taco <laughs> Fall. <laughs> uh, yeah. You just that, that's a guy you'll probably never forget just because he is he's so damn tall. I mean, if you saw him and have you have you ever seen yes, I've seen him in person three times all three basketball live games i've been to have had taco fall in it i saw him play use at ucf against uconn i saw him play the bucks when he was on the celtics and then i saw him this season have his only start of the year pretty much against the celtics (laughs) i have only seen taco fall (laughs) he is a man among men (laughs) (laughs) he's a man it makes me feel like a young boy yeah he's like two times our height (laughs) <laughs> um, that said, the, the the real competition here comes between Moses Brown, who was kind of a late season addition, and Brandon Goodwin, who came in January. I think his first game was in January, mm-hmm. maybe late December. Can't remember. Uh, but to me, this was a very tough one to to kind of choose on my end. Uh, I did. I end can up, imagine. <laughs> I did end up rolling with Brandon Goodwin um, just because I liked what he brings to the table, and I feel like he's a little bit. Both of these guys are raw. Make no mistake, they're they're both very raw, but I feel like uh, Brandon Goodwin brings a little bit more polish, mm-hmm. uh, especially in regards to what the Cavs needed to kind of replace. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to see how you kind of feel about this one. I 100% agree. I also felt like Goodwin was my favorite two-way player of the year because I feel like he had more important moments. I think mm-hmm. Moses Brown felt more like patchwork at times <laughs> in his minutes. Kind of like... Hey. He kind of felt like the flex seal uh, quick fix to like, yeah, oh man, we lost the boat your out own. there. Get the boat out there. Put the flex seal on. Stop get the Moses water. <laughs> Joel Embiid's coming right at your defense. What do you do? Here's Moses Brown. Flex seal. Bang. <laughs> Just get the fuck the out the way. That's what you do. <laughs> You're Moses Brown. You're not taking that. <laughs> Brandon Goodwin, I felt like had bigger moments for us. And I can remember him against the Hornets specifically was a game. I felt like he really showed up. Yeah, I can honestly tell you, I don't think Moses Brown had one of those games in my mind where I'm walking away being like, you know, I'm going to remember next season. Be like, remember the, the Moses Brown game where he kind of went off? And everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? And it's the like, disrespect. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think both of them are promising players. You said, Like you said, they're both raw. But if I had to choose someone that I see having a longer NBA career probably past this point, I think it's Brandon Goodwin. And that's how I determine if you're my favorite two-way player. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Collateral. That's completely fair. I mean, in terms of, of Moses Brown, we kind of know that uh, the book on him is he was a, a pick-and-roll partner that the Cavs were kind of missing, um, somebody that they obviously needed to have out there at a certain point of the year, especially right after the uh, the Jared injury. But he added little to nothing on defense. Um, you saw games in which he was pulled so damn early just because um, teams were able to take advantage of his lack of lateral quickness to move out and defend the three-point line. Um, it was tough, man. 
it was contagious because uh, Kevin Love and Lowry also hated to do that as well. well. We know that. Like <laughs> Moses Brown is 22, though, and we know the book on Kevin Love. But Moses, um, you know, for those of people who have not really paid attention to his to his game and you know his journey in regards to the NBA, I mean, I hate to say it, there is a reason why a guy like that bounces around. Um, he he has potential, but he obviously has a lot of work to do on the defensive end, and so. Um, in that regard, for for this specific award, I have to give it to Brandon Goodwin because I feel like he's a little bit more polished and he's a little bit more NBA ready. I think the sad part, kind of not to be the Debbie Downer of this part, is that I feel like both of these players, there's an abundance of this exact proto like archetype in the league. Mm-hmm. Like the energetic big is kind of how I would describe Moses Brown. And I feel yeah. like there's a lot you could find a lot of veterans that also bring the same thing to the table. It's just that you're hoping because he's younger, his ceiling could be a little higher because he's not mm-hmm. technically finished yet. And Goodwin is just a bucket hunting guard. And I feel like you kind of there's you could find a lot of those, too. But yeah. So in that sense, I feel like I feel like neither of these players, I would be surprised if like three years from now, either of them were still on the roster. But for right now, it's it's nice to have them because it never hurts to have their archetypes on this team or any team, really. Would you want to roll into next season with both of these guys still under, you know, two still occupying the two way deals? Yeah, because we know what they can bring. It's better than having a bunch of question marks being like a bunch of projects that we don't necessarily know if when we throw them in what we're going to get. That's fair. I mean, I kind of feel the same way, unless something better kind of rolls along, which is never a given in regards to these two-way deals. Um, the Cavs have been pretty lucky uh, in recent years being able to get guys like Dean Wade uh, and Lamar Stevens on the roster. Um, just guys who can, you know, who can be glue guys, guys who can go in there and don't complain about their roles. You might not see them for portions of the season. They might be glued to the bench, but as soon as their number's called, they can provide something. Yeah, you never know what these two-way guys like. They could take another step in the offseason. We don't even know it. I mean, Miami pulls two-way guys and turns them into quality starters all the time. And we have hashtag Cavs culture. So, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not out of the question. We'll have to see. All right, moving on here. Uh, biggest leap during the 2021-22 season. <laughs> Jeez, I, I didn't think it would be this much of a landslide. Uh, what Do you agree with this? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's I, it only makes sense that our our candidate for most improved player in the league is our biggest leap player on this team, and that's Darius Garland, who came in first with eighty three percent of the vote. And then, you know, Lamar at nine and Jared Allen at eight is not too shabby. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I mean, there's really no way around it. Darius Garland was always going to win this. I just didn't think it would be. I thought Jared would probably have gotten a little bit more love. I would have thought Jared would have got more than Lamar, just in the sense that they both took the leap to All Star status. Yeah, I, he's a damn All Star. You gotta, you, you, you can't give him more than ten, the uh, more 8%? than eight percent. Lamar's clout in the Cavs fan base got him to this nine percent. We're Lamar fans, I would like to think, but we're not that. I mean, geez. You can't say Jeez. that because he potentially could be – it could be potentially soon be the premier Lamar Stevens <laughs> podcast if Dean never shows up. <laughs> so he can, someone could clip this. Yeah. Um, from a statistical standpoint, Darius Garland did manage to, to go from 17.4 points all the way up to 21.7, which is kind of like a Colin Sexton-like jump in mm-hmm. regards to scoring because we saw Colin go like, I'm going to say, three and a half to four points every season. 
Um, and that doesn't he, even include like the months where he was not re- like required to do as much as he had to in the second half of the season. Like if you just clip, like kind of filtered out the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And I feel like his points per game probably jumps up to around like 25. Yeah. I mean, it was not too long ago at which Jerry Scarlin was under 20 a game. It wasn't that long ago. He really turned it on. Um, I really going into this season, I did not expect this. Obviously, there's a lot of caveats that apply. The injuries, Colin went down. That was a big time thing. Rubio going down, obviously. Um, but I didn't expect this much of a scoring jump for him. I thought he would be right around 19. And I, I really, in regards to assist production as well, I thought he would be around 19 and 8. Um, I feel like that was fair heading into the season with him, not expecting him to have this like gargantuan explosion in regards to both categories. But I mean, I never ruled it out considering how he finished last season. Yeah, I know. I feel like I always, I uh, always bring up the Chris Paul comparison, but you know, it's nice to know that at the end of the day, we basically have Chris Paul reincarnated. (laughs) Yeah. You can do much worse than that. And have you seen that guy throughout these playoffs? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, he's don't, Chris Paul is always going to be good. It's his issue is that when he gets hurt and it, he's it's like kind of like kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop of when is he going to get hurt again? Because it seems like it's guaranteed that in the postseason it's going to happen at any time. And it's going to be the most unopportune time. Yep. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. Um, hopefully DG doesn't follow suit in that regard. It doesn't look like it. They're, they're kind of built a little bit different. <laughs> and DG, hashtag built different <laughs> <laughs> um looking at jared allen you know his jump from last year to this season he played 51 games with the Cavs last year started 40 of them this season he played 56 and was able to become an all-star during that period of time um 13.2 points last season with cleveland 16.1 so about a three-point jump um, not too big of a jump in the rebound category. Just one, really one additional rebound. Um, shooting percentages, um, I guess that's probably one of his bigger improvements just because he went from 60.9 uh, to 67.7. And I, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this. I think he actually set numerous Cavs records uh, for his efficiency in that regard this year. I think you're right. Yeah. I, uh, it's also really nice for Jared that he unlocked his chemistry with Darius because it felt like in his tenure last season with the Cavs, mm-hmm. he also shared it with Colin a decent amount. And th- it's, it's, it felt like at times the two of them didn't really seem eye to eye. That one game where they both were yelling at each other going into the tunnel at halftimes kind of yeah. stands out for me. So I always felt like him and Darius had rapport even last year, and that just translated to this year. Then him and Evan also have that good give and go type energy too so i think overall it was much it benefited jared that the team kind of felt more unselfish and less like the ball was sticking in players hands at times and that's not a shot at colin sexton that just was Mm -hmm. the vibe of the team in general last year yeah i mean i think it's really hard to disagree with that and you could tell that there was a a chemistry and a sort of bonding that that occurred between uh jared and darius that colin and jared just didn't have um, and they didn't have enough time this year to really de- develop anything you know, uh, past that. I mean, you have the whole offseason, I guess, um, but you could clearly see that there was some type of chemistry that it's inherently there between those two. 
Um, and just to kind of tie a bow on this, yeah, Jared Allen actually now holds the single season Cavs records for field goal percentage. Um, like we said, aforementioned 67.7. In uh, second place, Tyrone Hill. <laughs> My favorite Cav, obviously. Um, he holds the record for a two point field goal percentage over LeBron. Uh, he, he that's hits, my goat <laughs> mine too 68.8% of his two point field goals he hit those uh, Wait, we're talking is, about Tyrone Hill right <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> goldfish <laughs> uh, LeBron is second place in that category at 61.1 he also holds the record for two shooting percentage uh, effective field, most of these are field goal percentage related obviously um, being a big man uh effective field goal percentage offensive rating that's a big one to me it holds the record for offensive rating in singular season previously held by tristan thompson uh that's that's crazy to me would you have guessed that those two hold the the record held the record for those uh no not really <laughs> maybe uh, you could maybe talk me to jared out but tristan thompson definitely not I tristan mean. did it twice he did it in, in 2015 2016 he had an offensive rating of 129.8 and in 2016 2017 128.3 uh and and the next closest guy was brad doherty back during the 92 93 season with 125.3 Something tells me that Brad Doherty had a higher usage rate than Tristan Thompson did when he set that record. <laughs> Just a yeah. hot take. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you don't even want to hear the usage rate uh, or the uses percentage records on here because it's just filled up with one damn name. <laughs> <laughs> Mo Gibson. <sighs> Mo Williams, baby. <laughs> Moving on. So, uh, yeah, Lamar Stevens never really had a shot here. Um, he averaged 6.1 points this season good for you that's sad <laughs> your awards oh, in the mail <laughs> an award that lamar did take home junkyard dog award 67 percent lamar this was fitting it. yeah so i uh i don't know anyone that could disagree with this award i i was kind of shocked that isaac okoro almost got one fourth of the vote i feel like a lot of fans are kind of souring on okoro heading into the off are season. you soured on him no <laughs> not not ne- no not necessarily i just you know i feel like if you had to take a pulse on how Cavs twitter feels about isaac core right now mm-hmm. it's it's a little lower than lukewarm to say the least yeah i mean you, when you got guys talking about hey let's talk about if we get ochai let's think about trading a coro i've seen that already Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we all know one person that wants to throw him into packages but once again we're not going to give it the time of day <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, I'm not entertaining that one. Uh, Lamar, excuse me, definitely deserves this one just because he had kind of embodied that. Anytime you needed him come off the bench or really spot start, anything like that, he always brought the energy. Um, whether or not you saw it pop up in the stat sheet, the guy just consistently brought it on both ends. Definitely an energy guy. Yep, he is my favorite energy guy on this entire team because even when if like he could have a bad game but it didn't necessarily translate to a poor overall team performance i feel like because his energy was so contagious at all times and he kind of felt like the spiritual leader of this team and that's what i kind of viewed the junkyard dog award as so i'm Mm -hmm. glad it went to him at the end of the day yeah, I mean, Isaac didn't really have a claim to this just because, as you pointed out, a lot of people soured on him, and he could at certain points look just non-confident. Um, he suffered a lot of the same um, 
inability to go out there and want to put the ball up and, and put shots up that Dylan did and to a latter extent that uh, the Jetty did at certain points of last season. <laughs> the Irrational Confidence Award goes to Jetty Osmond. That would have been 100% Jetty. Uh, you, you, that would have been one that you 100% would have gave to Jetty. And then and adding Kevin Love in here, uh, I mean, there are certain points at which Kevin Love inspired people. I think I Kevin Love would win Best Teammate Award. Which is a freaking uh, just anomaly uh, compared to last season. With yeah. One of them out of here. Not me, though. <laughs> I will stand my ground. I know that's your boy. <laughs> he changed my mind this year. I, I, I regret to inform most of you that I was among some of them. Most of the uh, Cavaliers fan base that was ready to ship Kevin Love out of town. But he completely changed my mind in that regard. And I know, you know, you can talk about the contract all the live long day. We're going to live up to the contract to begin with. That's the truth. I'm sorry to most of NBA fans out there that were rewarding Tyler Hero with six man of the year probably for just chucking up shots. It looks really sexy to score 20 points when you take more shot attempts than half of the players on your damn team. Yeah, um, we, we all, you know, we all know what it is with Kevin Love. I feel like his impact um, when, when in comparison to Tyler Hero is tenfold. Uh, you know, whatever, however people feel about that. Maybe they <laughs> don't believe that. I honestly felt like Kevin's impact was was phenomenal this season. And whenever the Cavs needed a scoring punch from the three-point line off the bench, brought it. Whenever they needed extra rebounding, brought it. The only complaint that most of us had with him this year was his lack of uh, <laughs> lack of defensive attention in regards to defending the three-point line. Which, after you've done it for the entire season, I'm starting to think it's just a you problem, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All righty now. Uh, oh, biggest, yeah. <laughs> biggest Resurgence Award. I love this one just because we knew who was going to. Kevin Love with a whopping 96% of the 185 votes. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Kevin. Make, make a case for Jetty Osmond. Do I have to? <laughs> it's not really on brand. I honestly was shocked on how little Jetty Osmond got a vote. I honestly always I felt like this was a two man race, and I just threw Rondo in just just because that was the only other name I could think of for a resurgence. And they tied in the vote at two percent each. I thought Jetty would have got like at least ten percent, considering the way that his season went last year. I was going to say, does no one remember how atrocious Jetty was last season and how good he was for, like, what what do we want to say, like 60% of this season? To He was, in a sense, this year's version, uh, well, he was last year's version of Dylan Windler to a degree. Um, when you talk about the inconsistencies, the confidence issues being pulled in and out of the lineup, being in the doghouse, uh, and he had another visit to the doghouse this season towards the end. But, A permanent uh, stay in the kennel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but JB didn't throw away the key. He did eventually bring him back. Uh, Reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> after Dylan kind of flamed out and you needed some type of scoring punch. But, uh, yeah, I thought Jetty would have gotten a little bit more love just considering the way his season started. He was scorching. I mean, he was shooting oh north of 40% God. for much of the season. Jetty was our best free agent signing last year. <laughs> Jetty's <laughs> irrational confidence was our best free agent acquisition. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with the way this award went. Kevin Love absolutely had to win this after I think he played 25 games last year. I might be mistaken. Yeah. And it was like all last quarter of the year, pretty mm-hmm. much. And with that one great Boston game that got us into the three pick, third pick in the draft. Thanks, Kev. <laughs> yeah. Um, history will look kindly and fondly upon that. <laughs> <laughs> uh with that being said uh yeah kevin love he absolutely had to win this award considering the fact that he is now a finalist for the sixth man of the year your award hopefully is the sixth man of the year award and it's in the mail just candidly speaking do you really think he has a realistic chance to win that i think if the academy is smart then yes but they're not so no <laughs> yeah i kind of i mean that's kind of where i'm at like i really want him to i just don't see it happening I think the real I think it's pretty realistic to think that not a lot of the people who are voting on this award actually watched Cavs basketball and Miami was obviously the number 1 seed for the whole year so a lot more eyes were on Tyler Hero than Kevin Love or if they did it was it was probably after like December January ish in which the Cavs really started to be brought into the forefront and talked about um you know the All-Star game that brought that brought a lot of attention to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of these people, a lot of these national media members probably just didn't watch too many Cleveland games. Yeah, I was gonna say somehow Kevin Love was snubbed from the All-Star game. A travesty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all righty, let's see here. Player that has you most excited for next season. This was a tough one, too, because to me, I'll just start off by I'll answer first year uh, instead of putting you on the spot. Um, I am most excited to see Colin Sexton tentatively just because of the contract issue. We all know that uh, we, we it's never a given. Uh, we want the guy to be back. The team is saying all the right things. He's saying all the right things. But the reality of the situation is nobody knows what is going to happen. Nobody knows what's being said behind closed doors. I watched that Kobe Altman press conference uh, early. I think it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of GM speak. I mean, it's I love Kobe. Um, and he did provide a lot of insight, a lot of good answers to some of the questions that were posed his way. But, um, I mean, that's just the book. That's the, that's GM 101. Uh, what is he actually, vice president now of basketball yeah. operations? Let me put some respect on his name. God damn uh, it, Max. <laughs> never, he's never coming on. <laughs> I'll put some respect on his name. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that's never a given. I, just like the Karis LeVert thing, like – Oh, we want to bring Karis back, or and what Karis says, he wants to sign a long-term extension here in Cleveland. You just never truly know. But uh, to 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 make a long story short, I am most excited to see Colin, just because ten and a half games is not long enough to make a solid evaluation on a guy's future. I 100% agree. I kind of thought Colin was going to win this award just because of the nostalgia. I feel like now everyone has for Colin Sexton, <laughs> and I feel like yes, Evan Mobley's ceiling has me very excited for next season because we don't necessarily know what Evan Mobley could even be next year. He could be a drastically different player in terms of like his offensive talent could be through the roof next year. And we could not even see it coming, but Colin said like, we know what we missed this year was what Colin Sexton could potentially bring to us next season. Like we know what Colin Sexton could do on a night to night basis. Like it's safe to say that his upward trajectory is kind of like where it's going to be for this team. And every time I watch Tyrese Maxey or Jordan Poole step on the floor in this postseason, I'm like, God damn it, this could be what Colin Sexton could have done for us in the play-in games. But at the end of the day, we can't just sit here 
and harp on bad times because that's not the It's Cavalier podcast brand. So oh, no. they're <laughs> always upbeat, always positive. <laughs> so uh, calling Sexton next year is definitely has me. I, I think next season is going to be so awesome unless this team just like takes that Atlanta Hawk mentality of being like, well, now the <laughs> the regular season games are so boring because we've reached the pinnacle. Because, you know, I don't think the play-in games are the pinnacle for this team. by the Even in, like, a two-year window, I would expect by this time next year, we're excited to see who our round one matchup's going to be. So uh, Colin Sexton, I think, is going to be a really integral part of unlocking that for us next year. Yeah, I mean, and to, to to go further and elaborate on your point, I feel that there's really the only way that this team can experience some type of setback and, you know, and looking at like a New York Knicks situation <laughs> and and a, to a lesser extent, Atlanta Hawks, since they actually made it um, at our expense. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only way that this could go wrong, in my opinion, is if they don't resign Sexton or if they suffer some type of major injury to Darius Garland or another key member next year. That's the only way it can go wrong. Just because I feel like the the talent that this team has, uh, you know, in house and whatever draft pick they choose to make, I feel like it's going to be enough if they stay relatively healthy. This team is a top three, top four seed in the East, and I say that with a lot of confidence. Um, we know the East is getting better, and we know that's not going to change next season. But I also have a lot of belief that. Um, Jared Allen will stay consistent in his level of play. Um, I I don't truly know whether or not Darius Garland has peaked, uh, but even if this is like his peak year with the uh, with the Cavaliers, that's damn good. Um, and and to me, the the key factor in Evan Mobley's development, the biggest thing this season needs to be weight. The guy needs to put t- ten to fifteen pounds on. Not the Anthony Davis type diet, though, where it suddenly makes you like <laughs> an, uh, an infinitely worse player. <laughs> yeah, I think in, in that presser, Kobe had mentioned that uh, he had trouble keeping on weight just because they played him so much. Yeah, you yeah, have tough. It's tough, Evan, that it's really hard for you to keep on weight. That's a real tough thing for you. <laughs> My pity for you is there's slim. good weight and there's bad weight though. You know what I'm saying? Like uh you don't want like a Nikola Jokic type weight gain and to which like and that's no dig at him cuz he's an MVP, you know, a former MVP, could end up winning MVP this year, you never know, but he's doughy. Uh I don't like, <laughs> obviously I just the profiles aren't the same, like the body types aren't the same. Uh but I don't want him to just like eat <laughs> I want the guy to take care of his body. Uh, but that might be difficult for him to do. You never know. I um I think it's I think what you said about Darius reaching his peak is interesting because I think we talked about this like maybe a month ago or so ago, but mm-hmm. I feel like this was probably the peak of Darius in the sense of what his offensive load is gonna have to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I think with less of an offensive load, his stats could still improve upon this year, if that makes sense. Cause like, it's yeah. easier to just like a good example, I guess is like clay Thompson of when the warriors were on their runs. I know these aren't like remotely the same players whatsoever, but my point is more that when clay had to do, has to do less and he plays more in the flow of his style, his, he plays a lot better, but now you're watching the Warriors this year when Clay's trying to play back from injury, and it feels like his stats are suffering because he's playing outside. He's he's doing too much, and it's unfamiliar territory. I think Darius was in a lot of unfamiliar unfamiliar territory this year, and he handled it really well. 
but I don't think the recipe for Cavalier success is to replicate this type of workload for Darius Garland throughout long stretches of the season. Cause we even saw in the playing games, Darius was wiped. Like this was the Just max. Abs- that yeah, he he went nine, was it nine to 26, nine to 27. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For him, there's going to be some type of offensive drop off here. You may not see him put up north of 20 points next season if you get a healthy Colin Sexton. If you have Karis LeVert still on the roster, um, you get more distribution across the board. Uh, Evan Mobley could take on more of a scoring, uh, scoring load. Um, I I could legitimately see this guy be dropping down to like eight, 18, 17, 18, and actually cracking double-digit assists next year. I still see a world in which he's our leading scorer. Like I know a lot of people think Colin's going to be the leading scorer, mm-hmm. but I think at the end of the game, the ball is going to be in Darius's hands, and True. that's where True. a lot of the points are probably going to be generated for him. I, I maybe Colin is still the leading scorer, but I feel like a rest. It wouldn't be. It's not an impossible recipe for this team to have Darius score like twenty a game and then Colin score like twenty four. But I don't see anyone on this team surpassing like twenty five points per game. Oh no! It's it's too te- It's too much of a team build. There's it, this yeah. is not like a, a a big three situation in which you have like um, KD dropping twenty six. You got Kyrie with twenty four, and then you got like James Harden or something with like a a a twenty one, twenty two ish. Um, I just don't see that happening either. Um, and maybe that's a bad example, just because they broke up. But <laughs> even even in like the KD Golden State years, in which you had Steph, Clay, and KD, I'm pretty sure most of their seasons together, they had three, all three of them scored north of 20. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you don't see that with Cleveland. Um, I, I I definitely don't see that. I see much more of a spread in regards to their uh, point distribution. Yeah, you could easily have like all five starters probably scoring at least 15 a game. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe two hitting 20. Yeah. Um, but like Jarrett stayed around like 15, 16. Evan, Moving, I think he ended this year at around 14. Almost. Yeah, um, you could see him maybe adding on two points in year two at the lowest. Yeah, we don't know even what like they want Mobley to do in this offseason, so it'll be interesting. I know he's obviously probably not going to play summer league, but like it's inter- <laughs> it's going to be interesting to even just hear JB and the, the like the coaching staff say what they're focusing on Evan doing this offseason because that's going to determine his trajectory by a lot. That first to second year offseason jump. Would you put pretty- Isaac Okoro in summer league? yeah (laughs) for the just the sole purpose of get continuing for him to handle get more ball handling reps Mm -hmm. because that's what we wanted him to do last off season two and he did but it just it wasn't that pretty and i feel like he's even said like in his presser that that's like his main focus this off season is going to be his ball handling and his like offensive game which thank god but at the same time like i know he's not going to play in it but it obviously it wouldn't hurt the benefit, at all. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably he's likely to skip that, but we'll we'll have to see. Keep an eye out for that. Who knows who'll be on the summer league roster? Uh, last question that we have: the Cavs MVP of the season uh, by landslide again. Darius Garland with eighty eight percent of the two hundred seventy two votes. Do you agree with this? Yeah, it's funny though because. Um, I think my, my, one of my first articles I wrote for the beginning of the season for Fear the Sword was uh, how Jared Allen was the Cavs MVP in the first month of the year. And 
I, I feel like if all the injuries probably didn't happen for this Cavs team, it wouldn't be a crazy idea to think that Jared Allen would be considered the Cavs' most important player this year. If you just take like a microcosm of the first month, that's also like excluding all the jumps Darius took this year. So it's probably like an unfair thing to say, but Jared Allen definitely also showed how valuable he is by mm-hmm. his absence too. So I don't want, I'm just, my point really is not to take away from Darius at all. Cause obviously we've been saying all year how Darius put this team on his back pretty much. And the, the result of this entire season was the product of Darius's work. And Jared, I just didn't want to leave a slight to Jared to think that, uh, he wasn't as appreciated as he should have been. That's fair. Um, can you realistically, in any sense, make a case for Evan Mobley being the Cavs MVP? I think he's our defensive MVP because he allowed for us to do a lot of different things that uh, really unlocked what obviously JB's strength coaching wise is defense. And yeah. this team, for a majority of JB's tenure, has been an awful defensive team with not many building blocks to work off of. And Mobley was kind of like the Frankenstein project that JB has been looking for, where he's just like in a it's basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the defense, it's alive for Cleveland, finally. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, I completely agree in that regard. I just feel like, uh, as we often said here, him being kind of like at the roaming free safety of the bunch allowed so much of the unlock some of the, of the defensive capabilities of all involved. So, and from Lowry Markin into Jared Allen, um, but there was legitimately nobody else who could have taken away this MVP award. Again, uh, we're talking about a guy who's being talked about as a candidate for most improved player. We're talking about a guy who routinely put the team's uh, back or put the team on his back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was uh, just going to let you keep riding with that. <laughs> <laughs> you put the team on his back uh, on a nightly basis. And, uh, you know, although he was gassed and although he clearly – you know, at, at certain points of the season was feeling the effects of such a gargantuan load. Um, he continuously took steps forward. He made the biggest leap of the bunch. He truly uh, was the reason why the Cavs were able to stay afloat for so long. And he, he emerged as like the leader of the team. So my vote goes to him for MVP as well. Darius, thank you for a great season. <laughs> yeah, and indeed. I mean, I I truly hope in my heart of hearts that this is not his peak. Um, you know, I don't believe that, but it, again, I'll say it. If it is, then this is great. Um, he's not going to be asked to do as much next year, hopefully. And uh, maybe we'll have three All-Stars next year. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, if this season told me anything about Darius Garland, it's that his floor is now like Mike Conley. And that's a, not a bad spot to be in. That's a that's a compliment because Conley, uh, for many years, um, you could argue that he was like fringe all star. And although he did finally make it, but that was more so of like a uh, we owed you one. a legacy award kind of thing. Yeah, um, there was so many seasons in which Conley in Memphis could be viewed as a fringe guy who, who could possibly make the all star game. And that could be D.G. In, in in you know future seasons, but uh, I'm just glad he got the first one out of the way. 
yeah, you know, uh, just get that Mike Conley comparison out of the way. <laughs> it's just so many, so many good guards in today's league. Man. It's a very guard heavy league right now, which is not a bad thing whatsoever. It just means that every team has at least one fun guard on their roster, more likely than not, unless you're even Orlando. I was going to say unless you're Orlando, but even Orlando has Fultz and Suggs and they're kind yeah, of fun. And then they might. Some of those guys might take a leap, and and you have to consider the fact that wherever they classify Ben Simmons at, Ben didn't play this year. Um, you know, there there are some exceptions, um, you know, to the rule, but uh, it's going to be increasingly more and more difficult to make that All Star team. So, congratulations for both him and Jared Allen for making this year. Um, definitely something that we we should be proud of heading into the future. This team has such a good foundation laid, and hopefully, they make some of the some some good decisions and we're we're right back in the swing of things heading into next year. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think it was funny that you kind of brought up Ben Simmons though, because I think I believe the room there was a trade floated around that actually got rejected. That was Ben uh, Ben Simmons for Darius and Kevin Love. I'm pretty yep. sure. Mm-hmm. Imagine this team with Ben Simmons and not Darius and Kevin. <laughs> uh do you think this team? had a playoff ceiling with Ben like you think they could have made the play uh, the playoff with him no you don't think even a little bit even a little nothing nothing okay I'll just I'll I'll preface it with this Mac Um, when you watch the Cavs this year uh, just look at what Darius did for this team and then Uh tell me that Ben Simmons would replicate one-third of that offensively so here's the thing with Ben I was actually having an interesting conversation about this with somebody the other day um, ben can still roll out of bed and give you something like 16, 17, 9, and 9. And that's significant to me because a guy who is so unskilled offensively in comparison to some of his counterparts, a la Kyrie Irving or Darius Garland, can still go up there and put in 16 to 17 points on a night-to-night basis strictly off the drive into the basket. This guy – still has a lot of upside and he's still a hell of a defender and he is probably one of the 10 best passers in basketball so he's a a top five defender and a top 10 passer easily so do i think he could have gotten the Cavs to where they are now no but especially when you factor in kevin love also being in that trade yeah uh but i do think he probably could have gotten them to similar like i think they're sealing with him Minus Kevin Love would probably be the plan. I think with the bigs that the Cavs have now, it would be a really awkward fit for Ben Simmons. Totally. And the other thing that we probably um, haven't thought about in that regard is who's your two guard? I mean, could you imagine? Isaac Okoro um, and Ben Simmons, <laughs> lethal shooting combination. That? Jeez. Like if, if things played out the same way they did this year, yeah, had to deal with the injuries, but you swap Darius and Kevin for Ben. Oh my gosh, there's no I, shooting on this team. People complained a lot how JB in the Hawks series played Rondo and Okoro together in minutes. Just turn Ben Simmons for Rondo, and that is like that your worst nightmare on steroids. Because <laughs> <laughs> at least Rondo wants to shoot it. Yeah, the entire team would be blowing up at that point. Uh, the guys would be being shipped out left and right. It, it would have been like 2017, 18 deadline day, at which like 15 <laughs> players left the building. Ben Simmons is like saying, "Like, yeah, um, I, I, I'm out. My, uh, my back is herniated. I have a herniated disc again." 
Yeah. yeah, we'll see. He's going to suit up eventually, but we'll Hopefully have to see by what game he looks five. Like. Yeah, I, I honestly, I never want that trade to go through, but I, I am still a big Ben Simmons like fan on court. Um, on court, yeah, <laughs> kind of like the same way I feel about Kyrie. Like, I, there's no way you cannot respect the guy's basketball oh, yeah, skill. No. Um, and, and Ben is kind of the same way for me. Like, I don't know what the hell is going on in his personal life. I don't know what the hell all this is that he's done this year, but from purely a basketball standpoint, the guy can still hoop. Yeah. You can separate the person and the player Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, it's harder to do in some cases. (laughs) Uh, but (laughs) I, have made an exception for a couple of guys and I guess Ben is kind of there. We'll have to see what he looks like. Just not Uh, Kelly (laughs) Olenek. Right, right. Uh, that being said, as we always tell you guys, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can at it's Cavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. If you want to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat, you know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, take a screenshot of said review, and send that to itscavalier53 at gmail.com, and we will personally invite you to that very, very, very popular, very popping, jumping, whatever you want to call it, whatever adjective. I don't know, man. It's Fuego. <laughs> there you go. It's Fuego. <laughs> Lego. And we will send you a uh, invite to that. That being said, go Cavs. Have a good night.